Hey, Token CEO listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Akisha, I'm a fucking idiot with the technology. If you missed yesterday's episode, we talked about the digital new fronts, uh, Barstool participating in the digital new fronts for the first time. So our upfront uh, for anybody who listened to yesterday's episode is this afternoon. So that's a big moment for us. Um, We worked hard on that, went through a lot of shit to get it done, but hopefully will be worth it. So obviously after that was done, I had to crash and I crashed on my linens and hutch sheets. Uh, The great thing about linens and hutch is that they're giving 65% off to anyone who buys linens and hutch sheets, comforters, duvets, quilts, bedspreads, you name it. Um, you get 65% off if you use code token. I love linens and hutch. If I've had a long day at work, there's nothing better to fall into than my nicely made bed. And my bed is made better by linens and hutch. So you can get 65% off if you use promo code token at linensandhutch.com. Today, we have my friend Akisha Cologne joining. So I can't wait for you to meet Akisha. Uh, And what we talk about is race. We talk about the relationship between white and black women. You are married to the illustrious Willie Cologne. Although I would say you're like the bigger half, if that's possible, like the the baddest half. When I I need to be. Yes, that's right. Um, And you obviously run, or not obviously, but you run the Willie Cologne Foundation. So what I mostly want, Akisha, is like, introduce yourself. Like, who, how would you describe yourself? Who are you? Oh, that's, that's it. I am um, born and raised in Jackson, Mississippi, which is where I am now. I am a true Southern girl. I love grits. Uh, that, that's my thing. I just made a whole pot for my family. Um, I, I went to Clark Atlanta University. I have a BA, Bachelor's of Arts in Mass Media Arts. So I dabbled in the media world for a little while. Um, Originally, I always wanted to be in front of the camera. Like, I just felt like, you know, I want to be on television. I want to be an anchor woman. Um, I'm going to do the news. I'm going to do the hard news that people don't want to do. And, you know, entertainment just began to call me. Like, it was just pulling at me. Uh, So after I graduated from college, I interned at WSB in Atlanta, which is the ABC affiliate. And um, I interned under amazing uh, anchor at the time. Her name was Mon- is Monica Kaufman. And uh, she was one of the uh, first black in the Southeast. And the, I think one of the highest that played uh, African-American women in the Southeast. And she was everything, amazing. So um, I interned under her. And then I started producing the lottery drawings uh, with this lady named Deborah Thomas there. And uh, I couldn't play the lottery for like two years. I was so mad about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, damn, like, my bad. Damn it. <laughs> Yeah, so, I could um, be rich. <laughs> so I did that for a little while, and then the acting bug really hit me. I used to take acting as electives when I was in college. So I um, I started taking acting classes in Atlanta, and I just got over Atlanta for a little while. I said, you know what? I'm gonna I want to go to LA. I think I want to move to LA and uh, try this thing. So I went out to LA. Love LA. My husband freaking hates LA. Loved it. Um, I just went straight in, grinded. Everybody said, you have to get your SAG vouchers. So that was my goal. Like when I come there, I, I needed to get SAG. You had to get three at the time in order to become union. So um, I was, anybody I met, I was out there by myself. I had a couple of sorority sisters, people that I knew, but just for me, I was, it was just me. 
and I was doing all of this like background work. Girl, I was on Gilmore Girls. I don't know if y'all remember that. I did Gilmore Girls. I did, I mean, any and everything, any show you could think of at the time that was recording, um, like King of Queens, just everything. I would go and try to get background work. Well, I met somebody who knew uh, a director or assistant director, somebody that was, uh, this movie coming out was called Coach Carter and it was Samuel L. Jackson. And I got to get on there. I was one of the teenagers in the audience. Well, come to find out another friend knew somebody who was higher up. I don't want to be telling anybody's business, so I'm not going to tell that story. But anyway, the high up in this movie, I got all three of my SAG vouchers working on this movie. I had been in L.A. two to three weeks. It was people in L.A. for years and didn't get that. <laughs> and um, because of their connection, that person said, hey, look out for her get her get whatever she needs i got my sag vouchers and at that you're thinking like oh i'm union now i'm about to be working i'm gonna be acting girl i was doing the same shit um you know still grinding <laughs> i started i needed you know money to live uh i had a condo my mom did come out and we bought a condo in la and so i had somewhere to stay she was like i just want to make sure you have a roof over your head you're gonna have to pay lights gas water you have to take care of all your car and everybody at least i'll know that you are not sleeping on the street Mm -hmm. And so I had to work. So I went and signed up at a temp agency. Girl, I was a temp at an all Asian <laughs> engineering firm. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know shit about engineering. I know not. I don't, I don't even. I'm not even that well in math. Now I can count money. I'm not, but I'm not that good in math. But I was their uh, front desk person. I took in all the packages. I answered the phone. Sometimes I didn't understand what the hell people were calling for. But that's how I made. That's how I did it. And uh, my grandmother got sick, so I came back home. So I will tell this story. I, I did not make it in L.A. because, you know, people, it's hard. it is hard. I, I think I didn't make it because I ended up having to come back because I mm -hmm. wanted to come home. My grandmother was sick, and she passed. Um, and I was very close to my grandparents. My grandparents raised me. So that's why uh, I came back, and I got in Atlanta, started all over, grinding, and um, ended up uh, on one of the first internet radio uh, stations, which is so crazy now when I see Sirius and I see, you know, I, uh, Heart Radio and all these things because we were starting that in Atlanta and it was called Beehive FM. We started a morning show, midday show, evening. I mean, we had a full lineup and it blew up. It blew up so big that the radio stations in Atlanta began to steal talent from Beehive FM. I felt like I should have, you know, I would have stayed in it. But when money started coming into them, the people who were the higher ups, they began to feud and mm -hmm. they just dissolved everything. So I was back at square one. Yeah. So I started interviewing at local radio stations, but I was going to have to start at this point. Mind you, I was close to 30. I was 30 then, maybe 29, 30. And I had a house and I had a mortgage. Um, and so I kind of put my degree into play and I started working. Uh, I was thinking about law school. So I started uh, working as a legal assistant while I was applying for law schools, met Willie in 2011 and uh, dated him for a little while, but Willie wasn't ready. You know, he okay. was, were you ready? I was ready. Girl, I was, I met him. I was kind of hear you. You're like, let's, you're a woman who gets shit done. Yeah. I've shown the road, Willie. Yeah. I always wanted to be married and have children. Um, and so I met him at the time. I'm five and a half years older than William. So uh, Willie. So oh. I, I was five and a half years. I am five and a half years older than he is. And, um, he, you know, he was young and he was fresh off a couple Super Bowls, girl, had some yeah, money. Had yeah. Oh my goodness. He had plenty, girl. He had like four or five bitches in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. I didn't know at the time, but when we met, let me give you this, in the club, we did meet in the club. 
he was he was dating the girl. It was a girl there. Oh, with somebody was, else. Yes. And uh, we just, you know, I met him there. And I was in between trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I knew I wanted to come out of Atlanta. And he was in Pittsburgh, but he wasn't ready. So we stopped talking. Like we, we, it, I just, I was not about to be in a situation where I, I, I kept saying, I can't let this little boy play me. I, I'm yeah. grown. Yeah. He's young. He's out here trying to do this. You've done that. You've been, yeah, like, move on. But I could not get over. I just, even I went on, I had other boyfriends and, you know, a year or so passed. And I just would always think about like, I wonder what, what Willie's doing. Like what that guy Willie is doing. Hmm. And I ended up uh, deciding to go to school. I took the LSAT and my scores were garbage girls. Community colleges weren't even hitting my ass up. So I had like some crazy schools hitting me up and I said, uh, no. So I said, I'll go to grad school. And decided to come to New York. I went to CCNY. And Willie at the time was leaving. The, we didn't know this. But when I made the decision to come to New York, that's when Pittsburgh had released him. Okay. And he was coming to the Jets. And I said, you know, God, is this it? Yeah. I knew that we had never dated in the same place at the same time. Um, he was always in Pittsburgh, Atlanta. When he came to Atlanta, it was lovely. But when he left, I was doing my thing. When I came to Pittsburgh and left, I knew for sure he was doing his thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> So I, when we got to New York, I said, well, if anything, we can give this a go, being in the same place at the same time. But if it doesn't work, we'll know we gave it our all. And I've had a lot of problems in my life, but getting a man ain't never been one. So I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, New York is 9 million but so people there. So I just had to be comfortable knowing that I would be in New York without him. And here we are. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay, so Akisha, you and I have texted a lot. Like, I, I really... I think you're such a strong person. I, I like your energy. I think you just bring it. And, you know, you and Willie are so funny to me. You're so small and Willie is so physically large. But when I think <laughs> about your personality, it's like a Willie size plus personality. Like, and I, I it. I'm small. You have to be. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but I'm like, I think that you, you are a woman who like, you're so certain of who you are and you're so confident in what you believe. And, and I, I take a lot of strength from that. Like, I, I love being around you. I, I, I find that I feel like I have more energy, stronger, fired up when I see you or I'm connected to you. And I, I think that's just a great thing. So that's a compliment to you. Thank but, you. Uh, you're a black woman from the South, and there is a lot of crazy shit going on right now. You and I have talked a lot about that. I want to talk about that here like, how do you see the world right now? Like, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? I'm happy, not, not happy. I'm just, yeah, I guess happy that the world now sees, you guys see the world as we've always seen it. So everything that's going on now for Black people and Black women, it's always been going on, but we just didn't have cameras catching it. So it's kind of like, for me, I'm saying, yes. So now you're seeing it and yeah. hopefully we'll get it. Um, you know, like I said, I grew up in Jackson, Mississippi, um, story, my story is interesting because I, I came, I come from two different worlds. So I've seen both sides of it. Uh, I was born into a family of six. Uh, we have one mother, six children. All of us had different fathers. Um, and my dad's family took me, uh, uh got me when I was about seven or eight years old. So when I was with my biological mother, we were very poor. Um, so I saw the world as a black poor kid mm-hmm. having nothing uh government assistance um just 
nothing. I, I can't put into words. I mean, we're, you know, my mom was still kind of like out doing her thing. So sometimes not having food. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time, everybody around us was poor. So I didn't know anything different, but something inside of me always just reading because I love to read. When I would read the fairy tales, like even something in Cinderella, I felt like this prince was going to come rescue me. Um, and I always wanted to know what was outside of our projects. So then I get adopted. My dad's family adopt me when they found out about me. And his sister adopts me, who's a physician. So I go from mm. the projects with nothing to a world where uh, my grandparents had just moved in with her because they had some problems with their house. So I have a mother and a father, which is my grandmother and grandfather, and then another mother and my aunt. We lived in a big house. I mean, what is considered big. I mean, it's like 5,000 or so square feet, so it wasn't my house. house. Oh, I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't mean that to sound. But I mean, it's a big house. <laughs> yes. I had to get loud. People were like, what? what do you mean? That it is. And so it's like 5,000 square feet. I mean, especially coming from what I came from, shit, we have nothing. But yep. it was fungus to me. It, it felt like it was 25,000 square feet. Uh, we had a pool. I went from uh, public school to private school. I went from a classroom where it was all blacks and we didn't have nothing. We were sharing books to a school where there were about six blacks in there. And when I opened the book, you could hear it go, because they were brand new. Ooh, yeah. Brand new. It didn't have anybody. It didn't have a list of names on there that everybody who had had this book it was, I guess, the tuition she was paying. That was my book. And at the end of the year, it went with me. To see the difference, even then, before I had even stepped outside of Jackson, Mississippi, to see the difference in how my friends who were back at this school were struggling. I mean, we were sharing books, sharing construction paper. We, I don't know if you remember, we used to have to get manila paper where you draw on. Really? I didn't even always have my school supplies. So the teacher would either give us school supplies or I would have to ask somebody else whose parents were able to get them, uh, you know, a school supply. So I went from that to, it just blew my mind at an early age. Mind you, at this time, I'm like nine, nine, 10 mm -hmm. years old. So I saw the difference then. And I knew, I, I definitely was still, I've always been, uh, sort of uh, skeptical of white people because you know how I grew up as being poor. Well, I got here and they were all very friendly, but then I go to, well, they're only being nice to us because she, my aunt has money. Mm. So if I have money, then white people will like me. So money was the key. You think money is the key because they tolerate you because you have money. Hmm. So I learned at an early age and I, will teach my son this and I teach my nephews this. You go somewhere where you're celebrated, not tolerated. And I was tolerated because we had money. And that's a lot of what goes on down here, especially in Mississippi. And, you know, Willie, would, uh, he always says to me, well, you know, we don't have the racism of, you know, how y'all have it there. Yes, yes, you do. But see, in Mississippi, it's just open. We know. Black folks stay with black folks. White folks stay with white folks. We mix and mingle, you know, if you have the means to do that but we're not doing that people tolerate you in new york because you have money they tolerate you in new york because you're a football player but it's still there if you were just walking through the projects of the bronx being regular old poor ass black willie you wouldn't get the response that you get they'd be scared of you too do you think this is why you're so good at connecting people and i think you travel well like if that makes sense like I think you oh, I, I say it all the time. I can literally go from the crack house to the White House. Yeah, you, mean, get, you just yeah. throw you wherever the fuck you're going to throw you and yeah. you'll be fine. And you have, listen, as a black person, we call it coding. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. Have you heard of a black person? I have. Coding? Yep. Yeah. So 
I, I mean, at least with you, you and I've become cool so I can be myself and I can say what the fuck I want to say. But most of the time, black folks, we not doing that. I'm talking one way with you. I go in the house. I'm talking another way with my, you know, kid. I go in the hood where my sisters and stuff live and they still living this life and out here in this shit. And I got to turn, turn it all the way around. Yep. Don't come for me. Don't try me. I'm still from these streets, you know? So you have all of these different people that you have to be when you can, you can just be you, Erica. You can, you can be you wherever you go and it's going to be you. That's something, you know, at work, I have to be a certain way at, you know, we always having to switch up. And um, so going back to what you originally said, the way I see the world now, I'm just so fucking happy that you guys are seeing the world, seeing what we see and, and, and seeing what we deal with and seeing how even this same school that I told you that I went to with the white people, the reason I left that school was because of racism, because of a racist teacher who told me, oh, you think you're so much better than everybody because your family drops you off in a Mercedes. And he was a, it was a white teacher. I left the Catholic school. And so at this point, I'm like, wait a minute, what? I thought this was a safe place. You know, I, yeah. I, was see, I began to see the racism because like white people here, they want you to do, they want you to be okay, but they don't want you doing better than them. Yeah. How do you like, are, do you feel like welcome? Like, this is what it looks like people. Like, are you, are you are cynical with it almost? Does that make sense? Like, do you feel? No, it's serious. I mean, no, it's, it's a serious issue. It's just kind of a, a small relief. It's only I say that because it's like, okay, now y'all finally see it. But the reason it's not a full relief is because what are we going to do about it? How are you going to change? Yeah. How, now that you see that this man put his fucking knee on him and basically watched him die, did not care that everybody out there, white, black, or blue were saying, Hey, give him, you know, let him up. Can you let him breathe? Can you do this? And you could see the hate in his face. It would have been nothing for him to let up and say, okay, now he's, you know, he's not, resi- he wasn't ever resistant. But if you felt like he wasn't resistant, let him up, let him sit up, your ass is going to jail and let's go. But you wanted to prove to them how much authority you had mm. and how fucking angry you were. You sat there and killed him. Why? Yep. And so it's, and, and, and it goes back to even like the things that we have to tell our children, we have to tell our kids, we have to tell our sons. Like, you're not telling your sons the same thing I'm going to be telling mine or I tell my nephews. You, you're not, you don't, like, and George Floyd did exactly what his mom probably fucking taught him to do. And yeah. it still didn't work. Yeah, that's right. It still didn't work. Let's talk about black women and white women. Because okay. I actually think you and I have had a very interesting conversation on this. So there's a video that you sent me by Carrie Champion, who is just fucking stunning yes like, yes I can't stop looking at her like she's just stunning gorgeous um and we'll send it around but and i'll paraphrase what i got out of it akisha and you let me know if that's the same thing you but so carrie it's a long video it's like 14 minutes it's a yes it's a commitment i, I loved what she had to say because i felt what she said was that white women in particular the way white women have been raised with and how they talk to their mothers and how they relate to their home structure versus how black women have been raised. And it was, it's actually a very interesting thing on respect and authority. And Mm -hmm. I basically took away, like, if you're a black girl and you're being raised by your black mother, your grandmother, doesn't matter. Your female authority figure will beat the fucking shit out of you, or, or you will be reprimanded if you are not in line, you are taught like an incredible amount of respect. 
you're, yes, you're taught to, to be respectful of elders. You are taught to be respected, uh, be respectful of adult figures. I mean, um, uh, yeah, adults. And definitely of your parents. And it goes back, it's biblical because it's like honor thy mother and father. So I would rather die than to be disrespectful to definitely my mom, my biological mom. Like, I mean, she's never been nobody's mother of the year, but I was definitely still respectful. She was an authority. And she did, she did what she knew how to, she raised as, as much as she knew of what she felt was right. My yep. grandmother, my grandmother left this earth, Erica, thinking I was a virgin. She used to say, the only way people know you're having sex is when you have a baby. And when she died, I was not married and I did not have a baby. So if she felt that I was a virgin, that's what I wanted her to know. Yep. Um, you're like, that's all well and good. And for adult, you know, any adult, if an adult tells you something to do, you do what they say. If you feel that it's not something I've taught you to do, you respect them. You say, yes, ma'am. And then you come and let me know and I will handle that. Okay, so yeah, so you flash forward to the white to the white household, yes. and so what Carrie Champion really talks about is how, and then she she introduces another construct of, of how you relate to your father, and but her basic point is that that is that black women are raised to be very respectful and deferential to authority, and you always kind of step aside. What was really your your you you work to make everybody else comfortable, mm-hmm. and white people are like, hey, this is my house. Like, this is how we do things. I would get whatever I want. I do whatever I want. And so the whole point is like, you have to, you have to make room at the center, which I really loved. Like, I, I, I thought that was so interesting. I was reading something else and then I, I definitely want you to chime in. I was reading something else about Toni Morrison and how when she wrote, I think it was Beloved. Mm-hmm. So she, she did a television interview around Beloved. And mm-hmm. it was a white man who was doing the interview. And the white man asked her, basically asked her, was she ever going to write books for a mass audience? Like, was she ever going to not write stories for Black people, basically? Mm-hmm. And she was like, I mean, this is paraphrasing Toni Morrison when I've spoken like this, but she was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, this is a mass story. This is a story for everyone. For Yes. Yes. And yes. I just was like, that's what I think people are getting the eyes this, for. Yes. This is what we're talking about because white people don't realize the, sh- the things that they say, or they just, they don't realize the shit they say because they just so you, it's, it's just the norm for them. And going back to what you said uh, with, how, you know, white people, they say whatever they want to do with their parents, they do whatever they want to. But this goes all the way back to slavery because we were taught then by white people that we had to be respectful, that we had to do these Mm -hmm. things. So you've gone all these past 400 years feeling entitled because it's your way or the highway or, you know, you do whatever the fuck you want to, but we've always had to uh, respect what authority. So our parents teach us to be respectful of each other because that is what white whites did not want us to do they wanted us you weren't going to get respect going back you weren't going to get it anywhere else yes and and you know because our homes were broken they were you know fathers were taken out of homes mothers were taken out of the homes so you know you the entitlement you have has come from from them 
mm-hmm. or you know, the, or I'm saying not the hundreds of years. This is like yes, years. This isn't a two thousands so, thing. Yeah, it's no, it's not anything new. It wasn't anything in the '90s, you know, with my kids or whatever. But as I began to grow and learn my history, and you know, my grandfather, my grandmother talking to me because it would blow my mind. Girl, I went, like I said, I went from rags to, I guess, considered mm-hmm. riches. My, you know, she was a doctor. My grandparents, my grandfather was a teacher. My grandmother was a nurse. We did extremely well. So we had a cleaning lady. Now I went from slaving for my mom and my sisters to having a cleaning lady. But you know what? My grandmother did not allow um, our cleaning lady to, to do, make my bed. Mm-hmm. She didn't allow her to, to, if the laundry was done, she didn't allow her to fold my laundry. And in my mind, you know, because I'm around these other white people and only a few blacks where everybody had clean. I was like, well, what the hell is she here for? My grandmother said, you will know how to make a bed. Your own, yeah. You will know how to wash your dishes. Yeah. You Because this is not normal life for everybody that you know, the people you know. That may be normal. Like, it was normal for you and your friends to be talking crazy or, or living the way, you know, what you were doing. But I was an exception amongst the African-American community. The third thing I thought that she talked about a lot was just the idea of an ally and a disruptor, which I I also really liked. So, you know, you and I talked about this where I, you know, I think there's something very in vogue happening right now around how many Instagram posts you can put around Black Lives Matter and how many Blacks, like, it's like the, the Instagramification of, of, I don't know the right word for it, but you know what I'm talking about, which is basically like, I think white women in particular are putting up this big, like, I'm with the cause, I'm supportive. But then you really break it down to like, I I've, I really took this away from Willie, which was like, how many black people have, have you had dinner with? Like, how many black people have you invited into your home? Your home, yeah. Like, yeah. And, and we're still like, I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, my white friends are stepping up and, you know, they'll call and be like, you know, I'm just, you know, I, I just, I didn't get it before I get it now. And all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, thank you, girl. You got it. You, yeah. You just, okay. Um, so even with that, like, it goes back to what I told you before, white women will always say, I am here for you. I am down, do it. But when it comes down to it, they still, I, they're going to have to do more to step up to the plate. Like when we get ready to go to vote, when we do the things. And I gave you an example when you and I were talking about this, yeah, because this is good. yeah, we, you know, when the whole thing, when Trump was going, um, you know, talking about pussies and grabbing me folks, too, pussies, right? Like we're going for women's rights. Me too. Yes. Me too. We were all, yes, we were coming together, girl. We were getting these damn pink hats and shit. I, I got on the train with some of my white friends, my black friends. We went down to D.C. Yep. and we marched together and we sang and shit. We stopped and had street food together. I mean, absolutely. Amazing. And there were white women from everywhere, black women from everywhere. We marched past the Capitol. Amazing. You know, I'm still connected to Georgia. So I was definitely wanting to see Stacey Abrams be elected the first woman and African-American governor of the state of Georgia. She had a lot of people following her. There was a lot of white women talking about women's rights in here at her rallies. We're oh in my this together. We're in this together. I just knew, I'm like, oh, this is about to be amazing. I'm calling everybody in Atlanta I know. Make sure you get out to vote. I'm sending money. I have donated to her campaign. I am sending money to people there who are saying that, you know, look, get gas, go pick people up. We get, she did not win. Of course, you know that. And the stats come out. Mm-hmm. 
78% of white women voted for Brian Kemp. What the fuck? Every time, I mean, even when we go back, you go back, let's go back to 1913. Let's go back to the women's suffrage march. You had white women out here, they wanna vote, they wanna be treated equal, they're marching in Washington. I'm a part of a sorority, I'm a part of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. We were founded January 13, 1913. The Women's Suffrage March is March 13, 1913. We were only two months old, led the Women's Suffrage March. This black organization, because we are fighting for women too. Because at the time, not only were we not able to vote, you gotta realize women are at the bottom of the totem pole, but it's really hard for you when you black and you're a woman. So I got to compete against that black man in there. I got to compete against your white ass. And then I got to compete against the white man. So here we are marching. Well, y'all get y'all's rights to vote. Hell, I still can't vote because I'm black. Do you think you sat up and you came and marched with us to make sure that we had the not, not only, I want to be able to vote. I want my husband to be able to vote too. No. So for us, it's like, when we always come to, we always step up to the plate when it comes to you. When, it, when are you gonna step up to the plate for us? And I began to do research, girl, it bothered me. I had put a post up on the page, it bothered, I was like, you know, we had all of these things that Brian Kipp had done against women with voter suppression, all of these things. What would make you vote for him? And this article I read, I'm sorry, I don't have, I meant to have it for you, but you know, I got a newborn. Yeah, um, yeah, but talking about most white women vote with their husbands. Yeah, peace in and the their husband. I don't care how liberal your white husband, that white man is, he ain't about to vote for a black woman to do shit to be telling him what to do. That's just honesty for you. That's what happens because white women want to keep peace in their households. They want to keep the lifestyle that they're living. And a lot of times down South, the men are the... In white households, they are the breadwinner. You know, they take care of the homes. Mm-hmm. You know, down here for us, black women are running their households because a lot of the homes, you know, are split. Uh, they may not be fathers in the home. So the mother, a black mother has to be the mother and the father. So for me, I mean, even with me, my husband definitely is the breadwinner. But as a black woman, we also try to make our men accountable, you know, like and let them know when they are screwing up or when they're not doing well. You know, you have to be the mother and the wife. Mm-hmm. You got the damn cobble them and fuck them. You know what I'm saying? Like you just, I mean, that's just what it is because society beats them down so much. So reading that, I said, hmm. And I gave you that example. I said, because I, I don't see many black, I mean, white women going against or, you know, of course we have unity in our marriage, but I may not say it in front of you, but if you were to come to me and say, you know, hey, Willie was, you know, lady came in, he was really disrespectful to her. And I'll say, really? I'm going to say something to him about that when he gets home. I'm going to check him off. Or if it's an issue or something that we disagree on, we don't always vote. I mean, we may be in the same party, but he may be going for one candidate and I'm going yeah, for the other. For the other. But it is what it is. Yep. And, but I'm going to let him convince me while he's going for that candidate and I'm going to do my best. You know, we'll have those type of yeah, things. We're going to talk about it. Yes, we're going to talk about it. And that article was saying that white women are not going to do. They're going to vote with that, whatever that husband says or whatever that household. And, you know, of course, we were raised into our party. You kind of vote your party or how you raise or uh, whatever. But it just blew my mind. And I said that then. We're not, I, I feel they're not dependable. They're not reliable. Really, um, so, like, what you're really talking about is, like, walking the walk, right? Where, yeah. like, like yeah. walk alongside, I'm going to walk alongside you, but you got to walk alongside me, too. Yeah, I don't care about you posting a black box. That was cool. 
but what what are you doing? Are you talking to your friends about what happened to George Floyd? Are y'all sitting up saying now, uh, yeah, that was that that was wrong. That was that was fucked up. Um, that, like it was disgusting. That was murder. That's what it was. Like, are you having those conversations with yes. your white I mean, women? Are talking about that. <laughs> yes, you know, that's another thing. Yes. Yes. Black women, we start getting passionate. They say we're angry. White women can scream and shout. And they're like, oh, she has such a passion. So I don't want you to think I'm angry. Oh, no, I'm not, I don't think you're angry at all. I think white women are talking about it. I, I think they are horrified. I think that they don't know what to do next because they don't have any black women friends. They don't, for the most part. Like, they don't know how to reach out to anyone there's something I think that happens with white people, myself included. Well, I, it's, I don't feel like it with you because I know you, but it's like your words get all trapped up in your mouth because you're afraid to fucking up. Like right. you become almost choked on awkwardness and the fear of, of being insulting or the fear of stepping. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other issue is like, I don't know, like my issue is like, how does it actually like transact? Like now what do we do? So like, who are we going to get behind together? Or, you know, like every, there's a lot going around about the books you need to read or, you know, the, the way you need to talk to your kids or, you know, my thing is like, I just want to reach out to people and give them the floor and learn something Mm and Mm -hmm. hopefully become better and a better friend and a better partner because of that. But what do you think? What do you think should be done? Well, educating yourself on, one, the history. I mean, people, you know, we say Black history because we have to say Black history. Black history is American history. So educating yourself on history, I guess, on history. And why, you know, they're like, but why are you so oh, so angry? Why are you hanging on to this? Well, learn from, if you learn that and you see what happened then is still happening now, that's why we're angry. Because you're, everybody's feeling like, oh, you know, this has just happened. This is going on. No, this shit has been going on. We just didn't have the, the televisions and the phones and all of this kind of stuff. So this is why we're mad. This is why we're angry. This is why everybody, you know, that damn, like that silly, stupid ass fucking Candace, uh, Candace Owens that's giving up and, and giving all these white people this damn false information. So now they want to rally behind her dumb ass. Um... I, I'm, I'm not even, I'm not, now that, I'm, I'm just, I'm not entertaining that conversation because I, I don't want to go into that. But educate yourself. Don't let some token ass, I mean, she's educated in the book sense of, yes, she's done that, but she has not gotten somewhere with her grandmother or someone deep in her home to tell her to stop doing what she's doing, which is misleading white people to think that, oh, they're just jumping behind some thug or some, you know, some criminal and we're rallying behind crying uh, about why don't we give him justice? No, we're crying and rallying behind the fact that we are tired of seeing it done because if that would have been a drunk white criminal, his ass wouldn't have been on the ground like that with a knee to his fucking neck. So it's not about us rallying behind a criminal. We are rallying behind a human who represents something that continues to be done to us over and over and over. So you have to, I only think I say, and I know people have said it to you before, when you learn that and you see, then you're able to be a little more sensitive and understanding of, okay, this is, this is where they, this is where we are. This is why they're angry. And these are the things you'll figure, you'll know what you can do. Of course you, you said you don't want to say something insulting. 
it's not insulting if you genuinely do not know. I could sense the sincerity in your voice of like, Willie, what the fuck? Like, what, what is it to do? Or what can I do? Just being able to have honest conversations with each other and checking your friends on it. I know people say off color stuff. I mean, we do the shit here, you know, because we so fed up with it. We talk about, you know, other races amongst each other, but checking people on it when they say certain things and be like, you know what? I don't think that's cool. If you genuinely think that, yeah. because if you don't, then it's fine. And y'all stay over there together because then I'll know that you're not the ally that you're, you're trying to be. And that's what I tell my white friends. It's okay. If, if, if that's how you feel, then that's how you feel. You know what I was thinking about, Akisha, is that it kind of goes back to what you said originally about being tolerated versus being celebrated. And yes. that's kind of what you're talking about. Like, if you're sincere, you're not going to fuck up in what you're saying because the no. sincerity comes through and you're trying to do something. If yes. you're tolerating something and kind of having a face to like, I got, I got the post, but I don't really believe it, it is insulting. And it's, I think exactly. that's kind of what it is that you're talking about. And that's what's happening with um, with businesses. You yep. see people, they're like, shit, I can't lose. They know black people. We, There's some black folks out here that are sales, I mean, spend their rent money to go buy some, you know, buy something. So you have these businesses like, oh, well, let me make sure I say something because I don't want to miss that dollar. You're just doing something to tolerate it because of some fact you don't want to lose a customer. Yep. But then you have some businesses out here that are really like, that's, that's wrong. That shit is wrong. And if you can't respect them and you can't do this, then we don't want you in our stores. And that's what, what we, I appreciate. Yep. Like I, I read Ben and Jerry's, uh, you know, their posts and what they say, like, I'm like, Ooh, I wish I could meet Ben and Jerry, or, yep. you know, whoever they are, because now Ben and Jerry will get my dollar. I don't like Ben and I didn't, I like Haagen-Dazs, but like, I not anymore. Not anymore. I will be, and I'm, I'm really now, I am taking my money where it is celebrated and not tolerated. I love that. So Akisha, one last thing for you, because I got to run and I think you have to run because I heard Willie needs the computer. Um, (laughs) Fuck that, Willie. Uh, So what is, I need two things from you actually. Uh, Okay. So my last two things for you, Akisha, is one is um, I need a song. Do you have a song? We do a different song for every episode. So I think you should pick the song. What kind of song? Any song you want. Um, well, I'm going to get so deep. Y'all not going to, uh, I want y'all to listen to Lift Every Voice and Sing. All right, great. It's a Black, na- it's a black National Anthem. Let's go. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's the song. Yeah. The second thing is uh, I would like one fucking good thing. Like what's one thing you're fired up about that you think is going to work or that you're positive for or that you believe in can be anything. Right now, I am so in love with my son. I'm just like, that's my happy thing. That's my happy place to wake up and see him looking at me and smiling every day, knowing the issues I had having a baby and all that Willie and I went through. So that's my happy right now. Like that, I mean, that's just, yes, that's it. I love Mm -hmm. it. So Cam Sanitize is a Stooley owned business. These guys are cleaners. They are the best at what they do. They're EPA safe. They're kids safe, pet safe, electronics safe. You name it, they're safe for it. Basically, these guys have a kick-ass cleaning company. They do residences and they do businesses. They make sure 
that everything is spick and span and that you don't have coronavirus lying around the surfaces of your company or your house. If you want them to clean your stuff, which I would highly recommend, go to camsanitize.com or call 866-41-CLEAN and enter code BARSTOOL to get 15% off. That's it for today's episode. Huge thanks to Akisha uh, for joining me and for Willie for letting us use the computer for 45 minutes. 